Most parents wouldn't consider raising their kids in a brothel. It just doesn't stand up as being the most wholesome choice for nurturing our offspring. Unfortunately, American culture has brought the brothel to us. And unless we're living in a bunker somewhere, we're going to encounter this sexually charged front line. Just talking about the birds and bees with our kids has always been difficult enough. Today, however, sex is a common topic of discussion in movies, music, TV sitcoms, and even late-night talk shows. And too often, it's also on display visually in all of these venues. Then we add the gross variety of internet pornography that's so easily accessible to anyone and even to any child with the developmental skills to push a few buttons on a computer or a smartphone. That's the world that we have to compete with when trying to teach our kids about the beauty and the God-ordained gift of sex. We'll talk about talking about sex with our kids next on License to Parent. Hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host on License to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. And Trace, I know when we talk with our kids about sex, we really do somehow have to find a way to to have a louder and a more effective microphone and stage than this mm. strange world that we live in today, don't we? Yeah, you know, and, and I think the way to have a louder or more effective microphone, Rich, is to be the very first to speak into it to our kids uh, about this subject. Because, you know, just like a lot of things, when a person, in this case our child, learn something the right way from someone they love and respect the first time, I think there's a tremendous advantage to that. And uh, if they first hear about sex from mom and dad and discovered that it's a beautiful, God-ordained act that's supposed to be reserved for the sanctity of marriage and has the possibility of producing offspring that isn't, as defined by any dictionary, a bastard, and I think I'm using that term appropriately, we gain a leg up on those who, who are bastardizing what should be a legitimate act of love. And this is, again, especially true if our kids learn learn these things early on with regular allusions mm. to his beauty and sanctity. So when a kid sees or, or hears about sex in a way that's diminished or dirty or perverted uh, through a joke or pornography, for example— hopefully they'll be more likely to be turned off by it than turned on by it. And I particularly like what you were talking about, about them hearing it from us first. And we, we've mm -hmm. had this conversation with other guests on the program as well, that this is not a one-time conversation. It's right. a conversation that needs to start when they're young mm -hmm. and continue very I naturally think, yeah, through so. the growing yeah. up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, speaking of having talks with our kids, parents, we, we do want you to be um, uh, the deciding factors in this conversation today. And uh, we're going to be talking very frankly about the subject with today's guest. This may be a subject, depending on the age and maturity of your child, where you might prefer your child not to be in the room while you're listening. Uh, and again, remember, these programs are available on our website at licensedparent.org. So uh, perhaps if you're listening on the radio, you may want to turn it off at this time if the environment is not correct, and then you can go and listen later. But uh, either way, we invite you to stay with us for what should be a very good conversation today. And let me introduce our guest. Her name is Dr. Julie Slattery. She is the president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy. That's a unique teaching ministry called to teach on sexuality. 
She's a clinical psychologist and the author of a weekly podcast called Java with Julie. She writes and speaks on the topic of sex, on healing from sexual abuse, and on intimacy with Jesus. Julie and her husband, Mike, have been married for about 20 years now. They're raising their own three boys in Colorado Springs, where Julie can be found playing in the mountains and trying to manage her own addiction to soy lattes. (laughs) Julie, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Thanks so much for having me. By the way, are you sipping a soy latte as you talk with us? No, I'm not. I actually um, am fasting from coffee for a month, which is killing me, but um, oh, but it's a needed thing. Wow. So, <laughs> so what are you calling the podcast in the interim? Oh, I Java guess. Free with Julie? Headaches with Julie. That would be good, yeah. yeah? Uh, I know. You, Jello you, with Julie, I don't know. <laughs> did you get the headache from the caffeine detox? I just for one day. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, but wow. it's, it's really one of those things that is a comfort in life that I look forward to every day. So it's definitely been a challenge and a, a good reminder to yeah. just let some things go. Sure. So, well, they say it, it, yeah. whatever you can't fast from owns you. So yeah, um, very true. As I'm staring at my cup of coffee in front yeah, of me. Well, uh, yeah. that's not really the topic of no, our conversation okay, today. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 ADDs and you know, the students here, but uh, hey, that's okay. Uh, listen, I don't. Uh, please don't take this as a loaded question. But uh, how did you get to be an authority on the subject of sexual issues? Uh, well, I don't really know. My sister asked me that once when I wrote my first book on sexuality. She's like. You know, I hate to say this, but what makes you the authority? <laughs> and uh, what makes any of us the authority? Um, I guess clinically train, training, I, I, I am a psychologist, so mm-hmm. have uh, the doctoral in clinical psychology. So that gives me some psychological training. But really, as you know, becoming an expert in something requires a lot more than a degree. Uh, Absolutely. It requires, you know, just uh, you know, spending time in prayer, really feeling like God is calling you and equipping you, and also just the everyday life uh, struggles of what it is to integrate biblical truth into a specific area of life. And for me, that particularly I'd say the last five or six years, that's been sexuality. So it's an interesting calling and definitely one that is needed in today's culture. Yeah. Well, most of us would agree that, that teaching our kids about the birds and the bees should ultimately be a parent's responsibility. But why is that so important uh, to learn sex from mom and dad? Well, um, you already mentioned it a little earlier, Trace, but there really is power in learning something from the authority that you trust Mm -hmm. and learning it first from them, Mm -hmm. learning what's supposed to be before you see, inevitably see the counterfeits of what the world's presenting. But I think even beyond understanding what sex is and what, what are the birds and the bees, really giving your children a broader concept of covenant love and, you know, that's not a word that you're probably going to use with a five or a ten-year-old, right. you know, covenant love. But it's a concept that, that there are different kinds of loves that we talk about in the world. Because the world will constantly tell our kids that sex is about love. And if you love somebody, you know, this is an appropriate way of expressing it. Mm-hmm. But kids need to understand there's a difference between a crush and dating somebody or even having a lot of affection for somebody and the concept of making a covenant promise. Uh, and there's so much spiritual significance in understanding the metaphor of covenant love that's represented in marriage and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that really takes many, many years to communicate that to your kids through your words, through your actions, through your own modeling. Mm-hmm. How old and under what conditions do you think kids should first be taught about the birds and the bees? 
Yeah, I don't know that there's a specific time where you'd say you need to start talking about your kids at this age. You know, what I find, particularly in my work with women, is that so many moms have their own issues with sexuality that in the natural course of life that would be teaching about sexuality and teaching about marriage and teaching about counterfeit intimacy, parents themselves feel so broken and ill-equipped that it feels forced. And so they adopt this kind of model of, all right, I guess at 12, I need to have this talk. And at 16, I need to check in on this and then I'm good. Mm -hmm. But what we're trying to do with parents is help them understand a discipleship model related to sexuality, that it can't just be like pieces of education where you read this book together or you have this conversation together. But discipleship is, you know, like Deuteronomy chapter six says, first knowing what we believe and then integrating what we believe into every phase of life, uh, every aspect of life. And so that a parent is comfortable enough with his or her own sexuality and her, his or her own sexual, uh, just understanding of what the Bible teaches on sexuality, that if, uh, if something comes up on TV that you need to talk about, you're comfortable just saying, wow, you know, what do you think about that? Where do you think that came from? Right. Uh, or, Teachable you know, if he comes home and just start, you know, talking about something that happened at school, again, you're equipped to be walking with your children down that road. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the uh, 80s and uh, 90s, I saw where our culture was going, and therefore I, I chose to speak to my kids about sex before they even entered school. I was stupid enough to put them in public school at that particular point in my life. Uh, was that a good or a bad idea? We're talking, you know, five years old, six years old. I, I didn't give them, you know, A to Z, but I, I, I figured if they're going to go into public school, they're, they're going to, this is going to happen. And I wasn't, yeah. uh, I wasn't a spiritual giant myself then, but was that a good or a bad idea? Hey, I think that was a great idea. Okay. I, I, I don't think it's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's ever too early in today's day and age. Uh, you know, obviously you can be sharing details that are, are too much for your young child to be able to incorporate and right. handle. Is it even possible for, for kids to be uh, shielded from sexual content anymore? I mean, you know, when you've got Viagra commercials and others, you know, on TV, you don't even know when this stuff's going to pop up. I'm watching a NASCAR race, and boom, uh, there, there it is. I mean, is it even possible anymore? There, there is a sense of the innocence of a child that, in many cases, will protect children from some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard a cute story of a mom that was trying to talk to her kids about sex and. She had a boy who was about nine years old or 10 years old, and they were sitting watching a sporting event, and a Viagra com- commercial came up. And she just said to her son, do you know what Viagra is? And her son say, said, yes, that's like that medicine you take when you turn into a lizard. And she's like, what do you mean by turn into a lizard? And he said, it's what you take if you have a reptile dysfunction. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's great. It's so hilarious and cute. But, but, you know, there is this innocence in young children that things can be said, particularly by innuendo, that completely goes over their head. Mm-hmm. I can today, like, watch a, a rerun of a show like Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley that I watched when I was little mm-hmm. and see these sexual references in shows like that, that when I was watching that show when I was maybe eight or nine or ten, I had no idea what they were referring to. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. I think there is this sort of innocence that 
if we give too much detail and information too young, mm-hmm. it can awaken a curiosity that isn't meant to be awakened yet. I, I'm remembering uh, an old joke. Uh, the little boy comes to his you know, parents and says, where did I come from? And they launch into the entire conversation with all the details about how how children are created. And he said, oh, well, my friend Bobby says he's from Cleveland. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. like, you know, giving too much too yeah. soon when they're too little. So, yeah, your, your, your uh, suggestion then is that while the conversation starts early, we don't go into the full depth of the conversation too early. Yeah, but even when the kids are a little older, you know, like uh, I felt that Bill Clinton, for instance— um, uh, and him doing you know what with you know who you know where forced me to share things about the birds and the bees that uh, I didn't really feel my kids were ready for even though, even though they were you know getting older uh, because yeah. it's more than a missionary endeavor if you catch my drift when and mm-hmm. how does a parent know what to share if to share and when to share yeah it's that requires discernment it you know it requires discerning uh, where your kids are mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, developmentally. I have three three sons, and they're all three different in terms of how they process information and what they're aware of. Mm-hmm. It also depends upon what you know they're being exposed to. Yeah, uh, you know what are they what are they seeing? What are their friends showing them? What are they hearing at school? How much are they aware of things like homosexuality, transgenderism? Mm-hmm. You know some of the things in our culture that. I agree with you completely, are being forced on us way, way, way too young. So it's unfortunate, but we do have to have much more depth conversations younger than we ever have to have before because at the the end of the day, we want to be able to shape our children's worldview. Mm -hmm. And the first people to get to a kid usually are the people that shape a worldview, and we we want that to be us. I need to jump in here real quickly because uh, on behalf of our stations, we need to take a break on Licensed to Parent. We're talking today with Dr. Julie Slattery, the president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, a unique teaching ministry called to teach on sexuality. She's also the host, by the way, of the weekly podcast called Java with Julie, although we have just learned she is Java-free at the moment. (laughs) So looking for a new title for that podcast, at least for the coming weeks. You can find her online at AuthenticIntimacy.com. We'll be back with more conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherd's Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. 
Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And our guest today in this conversation on sexuality from a Christian perspective is Dr. Julie Slattery, the president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy and host of the weekly podcast, Java with Julie. Uh, Julie, before we get back into it, I did want to mention you have got a resource on your website that might be of a lot of help to our uh, listeners uh, today. 25 questions you're afraid to ask about love, sex, and intimacy. Would it be safe to say that what we don't cover today, they could probably find there? Yeah, um, that is basically a book of the 25 questions we get asked most commonly at our events and through our website. So, yeah, it covers a lot of territory. Okay, one one of the questions that, that Trace and I are wondering about is, is it appropriate to for the parents when having conversations about sex with their kids to ask their kids about either their own sexuality or their thoughts on it or the things they're they're wrestling with what about turning the conversation around and approaching that is is that a good idea or a bad idea and if so how do we do it yeah i think it's a good idea you know it's a it's a two-way conversation so if you sit down with your your child and out of the blue you start asking very probing questions you know about hey what are you struggling with and uh, you know, are you looking at pornography and have you ever had sex with someone? That's obviously going to be very off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole concept of, you know, lifelong learning, a discipleship model, uh, means that there's a lot of different types of interactions you're going to have with your children. Some of them are going to be teaching interactions. Some of them are going to be, you know, taking something that's happening in the moment and asking them, what do you think about this? Uh, some of it's going to be asking about what they've been exposed to, so not just what they're doing, but mm-hmm. do any of your friends at school ever talk about homosexuality or, or have you ever seen pornography? You know, those kind of questions are very, very appropriate. And then I think that there are times, uh, just like any relationship, you know, kind of those sacred moments where you have the opportunity to really see into the window of your, of your child's heart. And sometimes it, it happens if, for example, you see something on your child's phone or uh, you know, on a computer history that shows you that maybe they're having an inappropriate conversation with somebody or they're flirting in a way that they shouldn't be or they're looking at something they shouldn't. That right there is a great opportunity not just to talk about why, for example, pornography is bad, but again to incorporate discipleship and really to, to show grace you know, talk about how you maybe have had similar struggles and you still battle 
different kinds of temptation mm-hmm. about how that's why Jesus died, you know, to free us from guilt and condemnation and, and to give us the Holy Spirit to help us fight temptation. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if you're really, again, we talked about this earlier, but on your knees asking the Holy Spirit to give discernment, there are going to be times that you know this is an appropriate situation to be asking, yeah. you know, how far is a dating relationship going? How are the boundaries? You know, what are you looking at? What are you struggling with? And I also think that a piece of that, like I said, is being vulnerable yourself with saying, hey, it's normal to struggle. Now, everybody knows what these kind of struggles are like. Right. So we shouldn't be afraid of our kid going to their friend at school. And, Do you know what my mom asked me? Or you know what my dad asked me? That, that we shouldn't be afraid of that. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just my poor kids. You know, there's three teenage boys that have a mom that teaches on sex. So, yeah. you yeah. know, that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for other kids to know that these are appropriate conversations to have with your parents. Sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, maybe previous generations uh, were just too afraid to get involved with these type of conversations and kind of maybe maybe we kind of mess things up in the church about this. But uh, I've heard abstinence programs don't work. Uh, what's been your experience? Well, um, boy, that's a tough one. I think that, first of all, there's never going to be a message that you give a child that's going to guarantee that they stay pure, uh, you know, because sexuality is such a powerful force mm-hmm. and the temptations are so great in our culture. And particularly when you think of the average kid reaching adolescence around 11 or 12 and getting married in their late twenties, yeah, you've got a long stretch yeah. of battle and temptation. Yep. Um, I think that traditional abstinence programs have been too simplistic in their teaching. Uh, You know, just, hey, just save yourself. You know, if you save yourself, God's going to bless you. You're just waiting for this amazing marriage. And what we've seen happen is uh, that a lot of people start to feel like that's an empty promise. And, uh, And they don't know why to wait. They don't understand this concept of covenant love. Uh, or they don't know where the gray areas are. You know, if I'm a virgin on my wedding day, did I do a good job? Is it okay if I did a bunch of other stuff? Is it okay if I look at porn? So I think we need to be teaching a much broader, deeper concept of the integration, really, of the gospel. You know, what redemption is and and why we need Jesus so much and, and apply that to our sexuality so it's not this all or nothing, either I saved myself or I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think abstinent programs were the best that we could do at the time. It was a good start. But particularly in today's day and age, I think we, we need a much more comprehensive message. Yeah. Uh, here's something for you. Uh, claiming to be an act of grace uh, and compassion in the name of, quote, safe sex. Um, I know Christian parents, Christian parents, who will give their kids condoms to go out on a date. Uh, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Well, you know, I think it's, it's a capitulation and compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this feeling like the, it's really a, a parent's belief that the message of pursuing God and purity and redemption is not as great as the message of the world of, hey, do what feels right. Mm-hmm. And so parents feel like they have to compromise, like, well, you know, all kids are having sex. I can't stop my kids from having sex. So at least I want them to be safe. Uh, at least I can protect them in one area. And it's it's really, like I said earlier, a lot of this has to do with we have a lot of parents that really don't understand uh, 
a healthy theology of sex themselves. And maybe they're dealing with some of their own guilt and shame. Maybe they're involved in things, and so uh, they don't feel like they have a right to stand on what they know to be truth. So it's just it's just a matter of compromise in our own lives, but then also feeling like, you know, hey, I can't hold the standard too high because it's unreasonable, so let me lower the bar a little bit. Julie, I, I know your organization, Authentic Intimacy, is working in an area that <laughs> needs a lot of help uh, in, in helping Christian families in particular become more uh, sexually in tune with culture and be able to address that with their kids. I also know, because you told us right before the program, that you've got a book that's coming out later this year. Tell us about that and, and what uh, families might be able to, to glean from it. Yeah, the book that I'm writing right now is called Sexual Discipleship, and it, it really is challenging the way that we've talked about or not talked about sex within the home and within the church. And, uh, you know, we talked earlier about how you know, parents are so uncomfortable incorporating healthy sexual conversation in the family. And I think part of that is because Christian parents have had modeled for them in the church no healthy conversations about sexuality from the pulpit. And you know, it's kind of this, this thing that's been passed down that we're either silent or we're awkward or we have some little private meeting just to help people that are struggling mm. with porn. You know, it's these very pocketed, awkward, uncomfortable mm-hmm. encounters with sexual material instead of saying, you know, the Word of God speaks about sexuality a lot. Right. Uh, and speaks with great authority and great passion. And we should be having that same kind of voice on a regular basis, both in uh, church settings and family settings. Yeah, that, that would prime the pump uh, for, for parents if, if more pastors from the pulpit would would touch on these issues uh, and making it more comfortable for parents to, to elaborate on, on the morning sermon. Uh, or am I mm-hmm. off base in saying that? No, I think you're absolutely right. And it's not only making it more comfortable for parents to elaborate, it's modeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Christian leadership modeling that we yeah. should, you know, Howard Hendricks said, we should not be ashamed to talk about what God was not ashamed to create. Wow, I like that. And I love the title, Sexual Discipleship. That's the one you're still working on, though the resource that we mentioned earlier that is available on your website right now is 25 questions you're afraid to ask about love, sex, and intimacy. And Trace and Julie, I'm sorry to say, but our time is up for today, so we're going to have to rapidly bring this to a conclusion. We'll but do this again, though. We, we would like to. And uh, Julie, uh, if folks want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way to do that? You can find pretty much everything we're doing at AuthenticIntimacy.com. AuthenticIntimacy.com. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, if you'd like to hear Julie's podcast, it's called Java with Julie. And there are links to that on her website as well. Julie, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Remember that the work that we do here on Licensed to Parent is but an extension of the work that we do every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and working with their families. You can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and provides scholarships to families who can't otherwise afford residential care. That gets the help they need for a teen who may be one step away from the grave or from jail. 
So please help today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, that's LicensedToParent.org. Our program coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.